You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. So today we have Miss Agnes Kim with us. And uh, Miss Kim joins us from Seattle. Uh, Miss Kim is the Emerging Asia Content Partnerships Lead for Xbox. And we all know that Xbox is a Microsoft company. But uh, Agnes, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm super excited to be here. So Agnes, it's not every day that I get to talk to somebody from the gaming community, let alone from the partnerships community within gaming. So I'm really looking forward to having you help me discover and kind of unpack what you do uh, for for Microsoft, uh, for Xbox, and uh, just give us a lens into what it's like to be you, to, to do gaming partnerships. And uh, most of your time is spent internationally, right? Or I guess all of your time, pretty much all of your partnerships are international. So it'll be really fun to, to dig into to that respect, you know, with, with that respect as well. But if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to just have you start. Um, I, I'd love to hear people's backgrounds. And so talk to us about how you entered the, the business world and then how you made your way to this wild world of uh, partnerships. Uh, yeah. Uh, so first of all, I think gaming industry is the most fun industry ever. So, <laughs> um, so for those who are not in the gaming industry, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, I would love to. I guess uh, to just talk a little bit about my role, um, like you mentioned, I work at Xbox. Xbox is a, a gaming company. Um, I guess when people hear about Xbox, they hear think about a console, but we are actually more than consoles. So we um, we have this subscription service called Game Pass, which is basically Netflix of gaming. Um, so we have PC Game Pass, we have console Game Pass. We also have, we just launched, by the way, a couple of months ago, um, xCloud, which is a game streaming platform, just like Stadia and Luna from Amazon. Um, so we are actually trying to be more than just a console company. Now we are a really just a gaming platform for a global audience. And my role is to bring content to our platform. So I focus my efforts in Emerging Asia. And when I say Emerging Asia, a lot of people can define it differently. Uh, for me, it is Asian countries that we as an Xbox um, didn't really put a lot of time into bringing content from. So uh, this means that I'm actually not um, bringing content from Japan specifically. We do have a more significant team in Japan. So it's everything like Korea, China, um, Southeast Asia, India, uh, it's, which is a lot. <laughs> and we traditionally haven't really been um, good at bringing content from these Asian countries. I mean, we are based in Seattle. Um, a lot of our workforce is in, in Redmond, as you might know. Um, so we're trying to change that. We're trying to bring more content, more diverse content from um, regions like, like I mentioned, and I am leading that role um, in, in partnerships. So to talk about how I started, um, you know, I, I got to say, actually, I'm not one of those types of people who were unsure what I want to do uh, when I was, how old was I? 13 years old um, when our, our teachers asked us to put together a business card for what you want to do in the future. I wrote CEO of an entertainment company. 
Um, so I always wanted to be in entertainment and I didn't know which entertainment at the time, like as a kid, you're like entertainment is entertainment, right? Um, and actually I, I lived in Korea at this time. Um, I was born here, but I, I lived in Korea for eight years and, and I tried with Sony Pictures first, by, by the way, before, for, before going into the gaming industry, I worked in movie industry. Um, and I had a lot of fun working there, but I realized that movies, you know, TV shows weren't really my thing. Um, I am a huge gamer and I, I got super excited talking to PlayStation over any of our sister companies at Sony Pictures. And I realized that I, I need to be in gaming. Um, and that's how I got here. And I, I love it. I mean, you get to work with content creators um, and it's a partnership that's a win-win for you know both ends. Like we want their content to be on our platform and they want their game to be globalized uh, via Xbox. So I always feel really good talking to you know these content creators. It, it's super fun. Um, and and you know, like I, I just think I have the best job in the world. <laughs> that's a great place to be. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have the, the best job in the world. That's awesome. So Agnes, I want to ask you, uh, this world of partnerships is so wide. You know, and and so I want to kind of talk about the the very specific types of partnerships that you lead. You know, a lot of times when we think about partnerships, it's about how do we get more sales, how do we get more distribution. But for you, it sounds like it's more on the content side and more on the technology side of basically building new products or bringing these products to market. But talk to us specifically about the the types of partnerships that you lead. Yeah, so like you said, it's all about content. Content creators are the king uh, in our in our world. Um, so a good example would be, as I mentioned, we have Game Pass, um, and we need to bring content to Game Pass. It's the same thing as I would say Netflix trying to source um, content for their streaming service. It's it's the same thing. Uh, we look into our content strategy for Game Pass and try to find the right content to bring in and this involves you know license fees this is it's an agreement between the content creator and us for us to have their game on that service for a you know certain amount of duration so that's one example um the other example is we do co-marketing deals so as you might see cyberpunk and um xbox are kind of tied to each other and we blasted out cyberpunk and uh, assassins Valhalla, like that type of kind of agreement that we do to uh, co-marketing and there's other parts of it too like i would say xcloud is a very interesting one because it's it's a service we you know started and it's actually tied to game pass so game pass games you can stream on xcloud uh, but we're looking beyond that too right like what what sort of um different things can we do beyond um, just tying to Game Pass? Can we uh, work with a partner to find a game that's more appropriate? Because this game streaming xCloud is um, being able to play console games on your phone. And how can we make that experience better for the consumers? Do we add touch adaptation? Do we make it, I mean, a big console game coming into a phone is not an easy task. Like, what about the font size? What about the activity? What about the inventory size? So we work very closely with the, the partners on the technical level to make sure that we can approach our consumers the best way possible. So that's another way of partnering. But um, it's various. Like I would say, it, it sometimes it's just making sure that the partner's game is successfully launched on our platform and it might be their first console game ever. Um, so I would say there's a lot of spectrum, but it, it always has to do with their content and making sure that content gets the best treatment ever on, on our platform. 
Ms. Wagnus, um, if it's anything like the world that I came from in doing content and bringing content to Sprint's mobile platform, um, you know, you're trying to find and curate the, the best partners with the best content, in your case, the best games. Um, what does, without jumping, you know, into the secret sauce, but just from a deal structure, um, what's, what is the type of deal structure that you guys offer up to the, to the gaming authors or those gaming creators? Is it typically like some sort of a revenue share? Mm. So, um, no, it's, it, well, revenue share, there is a case sometimes when it's a bigger deal and, and we would have more complicated kind of, um, variables into it that does happen some very rarely, but sometimes most of the time, like it depends, but game pass is a license fee. Um, we don't look into usage or, um, you know, engagement hours because that could, you know, I, I'm hearing that sometimes that creates issues because then the, the creators will want to create a longer game. So there's a longer engagement. That's not what we want to encourage. So we do comparable analysis um, and we put together a license fee for them up front. So they feel comfortable bringing their title into our subscription service. Um, and then I would say like co-marketing is a, it's a, as you, as most people are probably familiar, it's, you know, your dollar spent there is also a dollar spent. So it's kind of a match. Um, xCloud on the other hand would not really necessarily involve money. Like it might be uh, co-development. It might be our technical resources, which obviously Microsoft has great engineers. Uh, um, so it all kind of depends um, on the partnership style or the, the kind of service that we're leveraging. I would say. Okay. But uh, for the most part, it sounds like it's really um, you or your team looking at the different content that's out there, the games that are out there to see, you know, what's high quality. And then you're bringing them onto the platform really so they could be discovered. Yeah, exactly. And there's definitely times we um, we have this thing called idea at Xbox, which is for independent game developers. Um, and we have different ways. So we, we want to make sure that the smaller to medium sized developers also get love in the world. Like it's not all about big titles, right? We want to make sure that we are covering all types of games um, for all types of consumers. So in those cases, we sometimes do these content fund deals where we are offering a, a small amount of uh, license fee for them to be on our platform exclusively for a certain amount of time. Um, and also we help with obviously marketing and making sure that they are educated in the best way on our platform from too. So I want to ask you, what is, what are some of the most interesting things about being in the gaming industry? Maybe people that are uh, managing partnerships and in, in other industries, other aspects, what's unique or what's really fun about the gaming industry specifically? Oh, uh, there's so many things. That's, that's hard. I think, I think one thing I really like about gaming is that it's a kind of a, midpoint or i would say it's art and technology um you, you can have the most beautiful looking game but if it's not technically sound in terms of gameplay in terms of the support it has it's not going to be a good game it can be technically very very advanced and have a really bad you know art in it storyline and people won't play so i think it's super fun that that is you know, we're, what we're working with. It ha it's such a, I mean, I, I might sound like a complete nerd, but I, I feel like it's like 
the art form. Um, it, it has to be both ways. Uh, so I love working, you know, with such medium like that is just takes so many people's, you know, brains and hearts and, um, you know, blood, sweat and pixels like the, the book uh, to get there. So obviously the medium is something that I'm very attracted to. But I also think that it's it's super fun because you like a lot of the times, at least in my role, I get to see the games first, um, right? A lot of the times the content creators would come to me and ask like, what do you think about this? Like, where should we go? Um, is this something Xbox would be interested in, in investing or, you know, having or marketing? And and it kind of, the answer, by the way, depends on the, the time of the year too. Like because of COVID, we had a lot more excitement around multiplayer games because people can't meet people. Um, so it depends on when you ask that question. And it's just so fun that like my answer would have been different last year. Um, it would have been different when we were la launching xCloud. It would have been different when we were launching PC Game Pass. So I think the ever-changing kind of um, taste and technology and trends of game industry is just something that's really like making me want to stay here because you never get bored. Yeah, timing is everything, right? So it's all about timing. Talk to us about, I mean, how has with the pandemic how has it changed the gaming industry how has it changed your work wow that it changed a lot so before pandemic um i traveled to asia at least once a month um i mean i was half jet lagged <laughs> most of the time um but i i was meeting my partners all the time like we, it, it's the best when 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 you're in partnership, as you might know, you have the best communication when you're there in person, um, you know, grabbing drinks with them, learning more about them, learning what their goals are, and they have to shift to digital. So it, it's, it actually worked out fine in many considering, um, but that definitely is a big thing. Like now we have to talk to our partners via Teams, via Zoom, via call, and I can't sometimes see what their expression is, what are their, you know, hand gestures how are they feeling so i think i think that's been a little bit you know tough on our end especially for those who are in partnerships um the gaming trend uh you know more people are playing games for sure <laughs> you know there's not a lot to do in this world right now no restaurants no bars no traveling um so more people are playing games which is good for us and as, as I mentioned, more multiplayer games are being played. I think people are really, you know, missing the human interaction. Um, and so because of that, a lot of people are on multiplayer games, chatting with friends, talking to, you know, new people and making making friends, um, which I think is really interesting too. And I've also realized that, you know, there's a lot of casual games that are really you know, getting popular, like Among Us is a good example. And if you look at it, which is an awesome game, um, it almost, it's been out there for a couple of years and it just got super big this year um, because it's a super casual game that you can play with your friends, don't have to think too much. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's been, it's been super interesting to see what's becoming bigger. And also it's great to see that more people are playing games too. Yeah. So Agnes, you're responsible for international relationships, right? These international partnerships, specifically, you know, within Asia, but it's, it's a fascinating topic and a fascinating conversation about how we do this partnering thing in different regions across the world. 
and just how we need to be mindful of these different aspects. Love for you to chat with us for a couple of minutes and just share some insights uh, that you've gained uh, over the years of doing international partnerships. Yeah, no, for sure. The, that's a that's one of the very fun parts of my job. I would I would say, um, and I it's it because I worked at Sony Pictures, which is also uh, technically uh, the the parent company is Sony, who's based in Japan. Um, it's also interesting to see to see the difference between a Japanese-owned company and a very U.S.-centric company, um, but it's it's different. Like I, I would say, just because you're like I, I want to definitely emphasize like just because you're Asian doesn't mean you're gonna do a good job in Asian business development or partnerships. Just because you're not Asian doesn't mean you can't do a good job either. Um, but understanding the culture is absolutely the key. Um, when I, when I got to talk about this really strange experience I had is, um, one of the meetings I went into with a Japanese partner, um, I think like 10 minutes in everyone, except for the one who was presenting or taking notes, started falling asleep. And it wasn't even like nodding a little bit where they're, you know, you can tell they're falling in and out of sleep. They were full on just like. Were they down. snoring? <laughs> I mean, they snoring? <laughs> but they were eyes closed, just heads down and just this position for the, like, with their heads down for 40 straight minutes. And I, you know, it, in American culture, can you imagine, like, how rude? What are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Am I boring you? Like, that's kind of, like, the reaction on our end, you know, had. And I realized that it, in Japan, actually, and I heard from this, um, heard about this from my Japanese coworker is that it is a sign of sign of hard work. It shows that you work so hard all night that you're falling asleep because you lack sleep. So it is nothing about not respecting what you're talking about. It is just actually showing, you know, how hard I worked. <laughs> so I mean, some of those things, right? Like I think if you didn't know what was going on, you would completely think like, oh, this deal is not working. Like this partnership is not going anywhere because clearly they're not interested. Um, and like another example is when we go to to Korea, meet with Korean partners, especially gaming partners, Microsoft is always overdressed. They're wearing slippers. I mean, my Korean partners are wearing slippers, shorts, um, like tank tops, shirts, uh, hats. And these are like executives. Um, and we're of course like fully <laughs> dressed thinking we're gonna have like this very important discussion. We're gonna have suits. Um, and and if you, again, if you were in the US and if you only worked it with US partners, you might think that's a sign of disrespect. Like how come you're wearing slippers to my meeting um, and shorts to, to our meeting? But it is really just, again, like it, it's just a very casual culture there in terms of gaming and also shows that they literally can sleep here because that's how hard they work. They, if you go to um, some of the Korean gaming companies, they have sleep pods. Um, they have like rooms for you to rest, shower, uh, they work all night. Um, so I think it, working in international business, like you really have to understand their culture, you know, what that means when they say something, um, you know, a lot of the times you would hear a yes and it's actually not a yes. It was kind of like maybe, maybe you will hear a maybe and it's actually a yes. Um, I think there's just a lot of nuances that you have to understand working with these types of new cultures. And you just have to be an extra uh, better listener 
um, and willing to just accept the differences. Like you can't just go in thinking this is the U.S. way. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, it's it's super interesting. I, I mean, I actually love being in meetings where I can't understand a single word. Like I don't speak Chinese, and you know, my my manager does. And whenever we're in a meeting with a Chinese partner or a Chinese team, and it just, they're just speaking in Chinese the whole time, I'm like, I have no idea what's happening. However, you pay more attention to their you know their way of talking, um, their movements, the the things that like the sound of it and you kind of understand in a weird way. Um, so yeah, no, I absolutely you at least it. know if it's positive or negative, if, yeah, you're, if exactly. you're making any <laughs> headway or not. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's so interesting. They mentioned, uh, you know, these, this, this topic, Agnes says, whenever I worked at Sprint, I ran the business development work for all the partnerships for Sprint TV for a number of years. And Sony, Sony pictures was one of our clients and um, I remember some executives from there came into Kansas City, came in to meet us. And one of the first things that really made an impression, and fortunately I knew this, I understood this, is the way that Japanese present their business card to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and just how, imagine what a sign of disrespect that would be if we were to just flip it yeah. out with one hand. Yeah. Yeah. and give it to them, which is what we typically do here in yeah. the United States, right? Yeah. But uh, just understanding those things. And, you know, we talk about all the time, partnerships are about building relationships. Mm -hmm. And the way that we do that is by understanding different cultures and what's important to other folks and how, yeah. how they communicate, how they want to be communicated to and with. And, uh, man, just cannot... Uh, you know, overemphasize the importance of understanding those cultures. Totally. No, absolutely. Yeah, the business card is totally, it's like everyone's like, uh, with the business card, it's just making turns to the other person. Like, it takes at least 10 minutes to do that in the beginning. So, yeah, no, I, I, you're right. Like, it, it's very important to be open-minded and just be be open to their way of communication and culture. Yeah, that's awesome. So Agnes, before uh, we hit the record button, you and I were just chatting about women in biz dev, right? Women in partnering. And uh, I'd, I'd love to just kind of dig into this topic a little bit about what is it like? Because it seems from the 20 plus years that, that I've spent, you know, doing this partnering thing, that it's male dominated. Um, what's, I guess, what kind of advice would you have or just, you know, being a, you know, a female in this partnering role, what, uh, what kind of insights do you have? And what's, what's, uh, how do you feel being a trailblazer? <laughs> so I actually was trying to look up statistics around uh, women to men ratio in business development. I couldn't find any, but I, I think you're right. I think there are definitely less women in this field, uh, even though I couldn't find like something to back me up. I, I, I do, I do think that's the case. Um, and especially, you know, business development is one thing, but in tech, in gaming, it's also rare as not rare, but less as well. Um, I, and I don't actually understand why I think if you, if you like to talk to people and you like to build relationships and you want something productive out of that, if you believe in win-win and if you believe in synergy, I think this is the right role for you. Um, and I don't think there's a huge difference between men and women on how, how you do that. I, I do think 
it does sound intimidating um, in the beginning when you hear about business development. It sounds like sales. It sounds like networking and, you know, the sleazy kind of like, I think there's still a little bit of like um, misconception of that. Um, but that's, you know, that's has not been my experience at all. Like, I think um, I have a lot of fun working with my partners and, um, you know, I absolutely want more women to be in this field because because I think, you know, it, I get I get in a way like if you want to be in a gaming business development, I do think it, it helps that you like gaming, too. And I think the the kind of the challenging part is there's not a lot of um, if you look at the ratio, there's more men playing games and women playing games so that the pool gets smaller and, and there then you look into people who want to be in gaming and then it gets you know smaller for biz dev. So uh, I, I think. Um, this is not just for gaming, but just overall, like, I don't want them to feel scared or afraid or, you know, that this is going to be something uh, not a good fit for women just because there's more men out there. I don't think that's the case at all. Like, like I mentioned to you, my manager's manager is a woman, her boss is a woman and her boss is a woman and they're obviously doing a great job um, and, and they're super awesome. Um, seeing more of those types of leaders also make you feel like I can do it too. Um, so yeah, and like, I, of course, like there's definitely been moments where I go into a meeting and automatically, because I'm the only woman in that meeting, they would be like, okay, are you going to take notes, Agnes? Um, and, and I've been in situations like I am not a note taker, uh, but I can see why you feel that way because I'm literally the only person here who's a woman and who looks younger. Um, so I definitely shared my own challenges, uh, but that doesn't mean that it is absolutely harder than men at all. Like I think um, I encourage anyone, again, anyone who's in interested in win-win um, strategic partnerships, like which means that you're being the best friends with your your partner and finding the best way to help their business and, and, and your own business, which is in my case, Xbox. Um, I think you should go for it. I think you should try it. I think it's an awesome field. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome advice. Awesome advice. Agnes, one last question before we let you go. I'd like for you to just share your insights. Let's say that there is somebody new that's coming, you know, just about to start their career. And they're really intrigued with this world of partnerships. And they now understand that it can actually be a profession. What kind of advice would you give to him or her? Uh, on some of those first steps to take to 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 take on a role in partnering. Yeah, I think it's a little bit tied to what I said earlier, but I think you need to just give it a try because I when I started um, looking into my career path, I actually my first internship was with Merrill Lynch um, and another investment um, investment company, and I realized through that internship that. I need human interaction because after looking at a Bloomberg machine for four hours straight and looking at your Excel sheet for four hours straight, literally every moment my coworkers were like, hey, how are you doing? I was so excited to talk about my my day and I got so just like excited to talk to humans. Uh, and I realized, oh my God, I probably am not a good fit for look, staring at my computer and analyzing stuff for, for eight hours every day. Um, so then I tried consulting and then I, even though I like the human interaction part, I think consulting has its own kind of 
different it's your kind of advisor your consultant uh, over like the equal partnership so i kind of felt like that was not a good fit either so i think i think i i mentioned this to my um mentee too but try try different things uh, I'm not saying just try partnership, actually try finance if you feel like that's an interesting path for you and you might realize, oh my God, I hate this or or accounting or whatever. Um, but I think if you, again, like I mentioned earlier, if you are somebody who's uh, deeply interested in building relationships and leveraging that for, um, again, like win-win, uh, I think you would be a good fit. And I think you need to go out there and try it out. Um, I, that sounds really easy, <laughs> but uh, I know it's harder than it sounds. Um, but if you find any ways to try internships or um, even get connected to somebody who's in partnerships and, and um, you know get to know what they do and talk about your kind of interests, I think it will just give, her, give you a better kind of understanding of what it would look like for you. Yeah. It is a very broad role. There's there's just kind of a lot going on. Sort of if somebody yeah. likes to to have variety challenges. Yeah. And I say building stuff. Some yeah. partnerships, we're almost always building something. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of times it's digital, but we're still building a, a vision uh, for new products, new services, whatever that may be. Um, it's a very dynamic role that uh, it's Absolutely. well suited to, to certain mindsets and, and maybe not for others, but great advice. Agnes, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you sharing your insights with us and some about your career and what you're doing with Xbox. It'll be fun to, to watch you continue in your career and what you guys do at Xbox. So thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. This was super fun. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit partnernomics.com.